What's up, party people? Welcome to Ditch the Ick. I am your host, Katie Carson, and today I am super stoked to be joined by my friend Tara. She is an intuitive career coach, international best-selling author, and CEO of Grounded Energy 111. She helps women balance their masculine and feminine energy, regardless of gender, to help them reduce burnout, increase productivity, and live their definition of work-life balance. Welcome, Tara. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited for this. I know, me too. <laughs> so Tara, why don't you tell us a little bit about like a little overview of your, your journey? Yeah, yeah. Overview, like hi, overview. <laughs> so in short, I like my life is always centered around my career and who I am professionally. So I was to start out the professional dancer. That's all I ever wanted to be as a kid was the ballerina. And I went for it. Only I wasn't a ballerina. I was more modern contemporary. I definitely wanted a career in Europe. And I have went through like a crazy year in college where I was back and forth abroad and then like kind of hit my rock bottom because I wasn't centered on who I was and what I wanted. And you know, dance is a cutthroat industry. So I let in a lot of people's opinions about who I was, what I was on an emotional personality base, as well as physicality and features. And, you know, that really ate away at me. And I hit my rock bottom and went into corporate for more stability that was supposed to be temporary. And uh, it definitely was temporary. (laughs) It was a six year run. And I was like, and I want to vomit. I'm done. (laughs) to them becoming an entrepreneur. And I just jumped without a net, without any plan, even though like I knew better, like my mom was in economic development. I took her program (laughs) and I did all of the things that she said not to do throughout her program. And I knew I was doing it, but I thought, I don't know, maybe it would just magically work. Right. Even though the Virgo in me was like, what the are you doing? I was like, I don't know. Let's just try to have some fun with this. But it was a journey that in of itself. And I had to go through all of those. I'm the type that I dive head first. I make all the mistakes. I do all the things you shouldn't do. And then I come out and go, hey, this is what you shouldn't do because I've been there. (laughs) And if you're doing those things. Hi, it's me. (laughs) I can support people through that. If you are one of those people who's like, yeah, hi, it's me. I'm in the middle of this shit show. How do I get out of this? Happy to support you. (laughs) Tara, you know, you know what it means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Got through all of that and found some stability for a couple years. And it was the universe kind of saying, hey, here's your big breath before you're going to deep dive into some, some really deep shadow work. Mm-hmm. And went through that for a year. And I'm still on the other side of that buildup. And I'm not quite sure where I'm going or what's going to happen. But I know it just feels really good and it's going to unfold. And the right people are aligning with me. And that is my ultimate goal in supporting people is you understanding that you're not going to have all the answers, but there's a way to Mm -hmm. do it. And there's a way not to do it. And the way you're not doing it is probably to teach you something. So it's not that you're Mm -hmm. wrong or you're doing it wrong. There's all kinds of learning stuff in there, especially when it comes to shadow work. And it may be things that are deep seated. And if you don't work on it now, it's just going to keep rearing its ugly head. Yeah, I think shadow work has been a big thing for me lately because I have noticed myself having a lot of dreams about like not necessarily they're not memories because like it's like me now, but it's definitely going through a lot of the stuff from like childhood and things like that. And so like kind of digging into all of that has been really raw, but really like helpful to finally like actually process it, I think, and move move forward with it. Mm-hmm. 
Let's talk a little bit about masculine and feminine energy, because I know that's a big thing that you and I have talked about a lot, both like when it comes to our interpersonal relationships and when it comes to like how we're operating in our careers. Mm Because I know for me, you know, my background, I was in really male dominated industries And so I honestly, I don't even think I knew I had feminine energy to tap into. (laughs) I was just, I feel that I was growing it out with the best of them, you know, and operating (laughs) in that. And it really, at a certain point, it just stopped working for me. And I had to like, stop and like, take that pause and and intentionally make that shift and kind of develop my -hmm. feminine energy a little bit more. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about like, what masculine energy is versus feminine energy and kind of like how it... I know there's a lot of tension around using the terms masculine and feminine, but really when you go into like a 5D consciousness, there is no, it it just has to do with the flow of the energy itself. And there is no attachment to like a physical being, so to speak. So a masculine energy is just feeling very, I always think of like, like my husband is a son Aries. And he, you know, it's this very strong, powerful, dominant force. And for many of us, like when we think about working in corporate or just whatever our experiences have been in the work industry, it's very, especially in the U.S., capitalism, you have to make a sale with every interaction that you have. Go, 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 go. That is a very masculine, like dominant, powerful energy. You are just going 100 miles an hour. Every day, all day, you are making that sale. And I know with some of the coaching that I do, like I'm even talking to women who are specific types of engineers and the things that they are experiencing, they have so many health, physical health issues because of it. So when you are pulling from a particular energy that is not your body's homeostasis, you're going to start having all kinds of physical health issues. It can be something like, chronic headaches, body aches and pains, digestion issues, sleep issues to something more like you go to a doctor and they can't explain it. They can't diagnose it. They can't figure it out, but you're experiencing some kind of dis-ease within your body. As for like a feminine energy, it's it's a strong energy, but it has a little bit more fluidity to it. I'm going to say a little bit of a softness, but that doesn't mean that it's weak. It means that you are taking more of a step back. You're slowing down. You're watching things progress. You're looking farther than the end of your nose, so to speak, and allowing information and downloads to come in. So by doing what it looks like on the outside, by doing nothing, when, you know, if you're meditating, resting, taking breaks, mental health days, whatever it may be, taking that time to slow down so that you can be receptive to what the next step is and not always having to close the sale, but nurturing relationships just for your listeners. Like I am in my title as an intuitive career coach is I'm a clairvoyant and an empath and an intuitive. So all of those things, I bring a lot of woo to the conversation. So this is where it's coming from. (laughs) I love the woo. I'm here for the woo. I'm embracing the woo. I think that's really interesting too, that you pointed out your, your husband's Aries son, because I'm a double Aries. (laughs) I'm Aries Sun, Aries Moon. Wow, what a thing. Tell me how you really feel. Tara. I love you. <laughs> I mean, if my husband was a double Aries, I'd be like, I'm dead. <laughs> Great. Cool. So that's but this is from well a ma- from like, my dating life. But it's definitely different. 
I mean, I don't know why astrology does that. I should just say, like, I'm not an expert in astrology. This would be a great Regina question. But the difference between, like, why in astrology they say, well, a man Aries versus a woman Aries. Like, what is, why is there a difference? Is my, well, I see sometimes people say, well, I don't think there is. Like I said, Regina would probably know better. But, like, when you see horoscopes and stuff, like, the way horoscopes have been written in the past, and I still see some that recently where people are like, okay, a, a man Aries and a man G- Gemini and a woman Gemini and a woman Aries. And there's like these differences. And I'm like, I don't really agree with that. <laughs> it's just an energy. Like it has nothing to do with man or woman physicalities. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, is, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, that goes towards relationships, like, which is something I think we're kind of segueing into when you're talking about those of us with the woo and knowing our astrological signs, knowing what we're into. Like my husband is, I know these things about him, but he, we live in the South, very Southern Baptist. We're living with my in-laws. I have a makeshift altar in my bedroom. (laughs) I'm pagan. You know, I don't outwardly tell anybody this in my, you know, in the household. And I do my readings on TikTok. You see them. And my husband likes to be a smart ass and go, you need to stop playing with those cards. Do you see what's happening in the world? I'm like, that is not from me playing with my cards. Okay. That has nothing to do with it. And we are not in the end of times of biblical proportions. You need to put this into perspective. Okay. It's an end of an old era that is no longer going to be able to thrive in the new. For those of your listeners who are listening and are in the woo, they'll understand. For those of you who are not, don't worry, don't panic. Everything's going to be just fine. It's just there's a changing, a collective changing in the energy, which means like the very thing that I talk about and coach on is we no longer want to be in this hierarchy, patriarchal work environment where we're going 100 miles an hour, where we're pulling from our masculine energy and men suffer from it too. It is not just women because there are some men too. Like you may need to pull more from a feminine energy. That is your, your body's homeostasis. It all depends. It has nothing to do with your physical body, your sexuality, none of it. And that is what people that I think is what we're trying to recognize as a collective. And it's a struggle because you've got not going to go down this rabbit hole, but you see these extremes on either side, especially in our country. And it's everybody's trying to find rationale from the external. And for many of us, it's about finding rationale within ourselves, finding our balance within ourselves, finding peace and relationship within ourselves. because nobody else is responsible for it but us. No one else is responsible for our emotional well-being, our mental well-being. We can support each other. We can help each other. But at the end of the day, it's all us doing our own internal work. Yeah, there's so many good things there. So, and I think I've, I think we've talked about this, about that client I used to have that I would do interviews for her. She was a headshot photographer and we would share the the stories. And it was a lot of powerful female executives who I've done hundreds of these at this point in the last year. And when I ask like, you know, what's a piece of advice you would give your younger self or like a lesson that you've learned that you would like to share, a lot of it had to do with, you know, showing up as your full self, no matter what, Mm -hmm. and like wishing that they had started that earlier and how like showing up as their full self as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, as a executive, whatever they were. And it was just really interesting to me to find that like common thread in all of those 
interviews that I've been doing for the last year, because I feel like that ties in a lot to this collective shift that we're seeing. And I think we're seeing it, we're seeing it everywhere. Like, I think we're seeing it on social too. Like people aren't into the hustle Mm -mm. culture anymore and we're tired. We're just, yeah, I would like a nap, Mm -hmm. please. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. Like, and that's what I why I decided to coach from where I'm coaching from is because I got tired of that hustle and grind mentality in the corporate world. And even though I went into entrepreneurship, because I wanted time freedom, I wanted to make what I wanted to make and not have to grovel for it in a boardroom, not have to take on a ginormous caseload. But see, I'm, I'm doing all this work for the firm. I deserve this. I deserve it anyway, because I'm a human being with a bottom line, period. My job did not need to know what my bottom line was. And at the time I wasn't married, I didn't have kids. So there was also this feeling of like, oh, well, I should give my time because nobody else needs it. I needed it. That is so fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Because there is always, at least in my experience, if you are single and or if you don't have kids right Mm -hmm. but especially if you're single and don't have kids there is that expectation of well what else do you have going on and I found for me that really came to a head during the pandemic Mm -hmm. they're like well what else are you doing at home and I'm like I don't know trying to keep my sanity Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean when I trying to live a life exactly and before I had kids and my husband and I were dating I spent my entire weekends recovering from the week and I dreaded Sundays. I hated Sundays. I would get that Sunday anxiety that we all get. The Sunday scaries. And, you know, my husband worked in Louisiana and I was in Virginia. So it wasn't even like we could be together most of the year. And then when I would try to plan a trip down, I mean, the amount of work I had to do just to be gone for like a Friday or a Thursday and a Friday, just two days. The amount of extra work that I had to do to make sure things stayed ahead and didn't go to shit come Monday morning was insane. And I always ended up sick. And then because my job didn't pay me enough for my living expenses even then. So we're talking about like I'm an older age, older millennial, I guess, so to speak. We're born in the 80s. (laughs) So we're old. (laughs) We're both elder millennials. We won't use the term geriatric. Not yet. I refuse. (laughs) I'm 80 on the inside, but we're not fully giving it. Exactly. So, I mean, I graduated with a ton of debt, education debt. I had a, I have a BFA, but it's, you know, basically a liberal arts education, which is a great education. And then ended up going back to school for paralegal studies. So I have two educations and then I went into corporate thinking, okay, they're going to pay me what I need because I've been fed this. Like you go to school, you're going to get a job that's going to pay you to be able to pay back this education while also having a fulfilling life, right? I do this. I start going to work and I'm changing jobs every two years, which I was told don't do that because then it looks like you're job hopping. And I'm like, but it gave me a leg up in negotiations with every next potential job because I kept getting lowballed and there was no reason for it other than, oh, you don't have enough experience. I'm like, how, how, hmm, how do I not have enough experience? (laughs) And even my last job, I had five years of experience in this specialized area of law. I had the education and I was still underpaid. The median starting pay for the work that I did in the city that I worked was 17,000 more than what they offered me. I hustled my ass off for two years. I had a huge caseload and it was just me and my attorney doing all this work up until about the time that I left because we were trying to get the other offices to kind of be able to take on this themselves, the paralegals 
doing the planning and the estate planning, which are technically two jobs depending on the size of the firm. Like it's a lot of work. But by the time I left, I was still $11,000 underpaid and I'd been there two years. And I was like, this is fucked. I'm out. I couldn't cover my mortgage, my student debt, my car loan. I could just barely cover those. There was nothing left for like groceries, extra utilities. On top of that, I was using a credit card just to cover what my salary was not bridging. And then I'm being told, don't buy avocados. Fuck you. It's not about the avocados. Like, oh my God. I hate that shit. <laughs> I had Caitlin earlier budget BFF on. Oh yeah. And like the third episode and we were talking about that, right? Like, don't tell me that like what's important to me is not important mm-hmm. or that it's my latte that is going to make me go broke. It's not. It's genuinely not. Mm-hmm. But I think, too, like, just kind of tying it back into even, like, the masculine-feminine conversation, right? Like, we're told that we have to hustle. We have to prove ourselves. We have to do the job before we get the job. And it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Because the number of times that I was doing the job for extended periods of time and yet was still told, "Mm, nah. Yes. You still got to do the job, but we're not going to pay you to do the job. Exactly. So like, what then is the motivation for me to stay there? What is the motivation for me to continue doing this? And that's also how I ended up in entrepreneurship, also without a safety net. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and I think too, like that just adds, we were talking about this, like, it just adds so much to your already full plate as a single woman, because you're mm-hmm. already responsible for so much and now you're responsible for like a shit ton more at work without the compensation to like help balance out your life when I worked at McKinsey doing L&D I was making like really good money but I was having to use that money to like be able to do my life because I was traveling all the time or like whatever so whether it was like dropping my shit off at the laundry or, you know, like Mm -hmm. eating out because I was only home for 48 hours instead of having food at home. Like, yeah, those sorts of things. If, if your job is demanding that much of you and it's not giving you what you need in order to actually like sustain yourself, especially with no other partner around to chip in and like go with a season, like go with the flow. Like maybe you have a roommate and they help out with stuff. That's great. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. But like, if you don't, like it can be really overwhelming and disheartening to to be operating in that Mm -hmm. yeah that's how my life was looking when I was living in Philadelphia only I was I was working for the government as a contractor and I wasn't as a student contractor and I was making shit living in Philadelphia and trying to not live in the most seedy of neighborhoods so that I could afford my rent I mean my life was just crazy I was going 100 miles an hour I was working multiple jobs I was never home and even when I was I was too broke I didn't have food I mean my weekends when I worked at the US attorney's office I would have I would buy a sandwich and like a bag of like pirate's booty <laughs> a big bag of it and I, that would have to sustain me all weekend and that was my life and people were like oh well you're just living high on the hog and I'm like I'm just literally paying for a roof to be over my head. That's it. That's all I can afford. I can't afford anything else. And that's how my career, my corporate career started. (laughs) I don't know if it ended much better. It did. But it was like, it it was a trade off of, okay, I don't have anything, but I don't have the amount of debt to, okay, I increased my debt to have these things. And the pay only slightly went up. And then living in Virginia, being single, I did buy the house, but I struggled with the idea even then with the housing market with what I was making. And how do I afford a mortgage by myself? Because that was a goal of mine. Like 
being incorporate and living the American dream where I could afford all these things by myself, I was learning I couldn't afford them all by myself. I still needed help in my mid-20s, you know, and there's this the story that we've been sold that you will have it all by the time you're 30. I am 37 oh, and yeah. still trying to fucking figure it out. And I've got two kids, a husband, and I'm living with my in-laws because of housing crisis. <laughs> living okay. the dream. But I'm having more fun than I've ever had before, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the debt that I have. Honestly? The debt is gone. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, that is... That leaves cash flow. It like kind of reinforces the fact that like sometimes you have to be okay with like taking what feels like a step back. Like I'm 36 and I'm thinking about, okay, I need to be saving money because rent prices are just getting Mm -hmm. so astronomical. And I'm like, well, would I move in with a family member? Like, what would I do? How would I save that money if I needed to do that? You know, it feels like at 36, you should, quote unquote, have your shit together and like that this is a step back. But in this economy, do what you got to do. Like it is, it's okay. Because we've been fed the story that we should have it all by the time we're 30. We also feel like, okay, well, if I'm older than 30, I can't ask for help. Mm. And I think that that's a big thing. And I know asking for help is something I struggle with in general because childhood trauma. But I also feel it because it's like, well, you're 36, you should have your shit together. And I'm like, I I have very little shit together. Well, I think this is a really good point to to talk about because there are so many parents who are creating space in their home for their adult children because of the state of the economy. And quite honestly, like even though where we, my husband and I are at, I'm also thinking about our children's future. I want to make sure that they're set up so that they know that they have a safe place to land if, you know, no matter what happens, things could be going along great and then life just lifes. And, you know, it could be a learning situation, whatever it may be. I want them to have a soft place to land and not think that they're a burden and know that, you know, they will have as much time as they need to figure it out. But I, yeah, you know, even our, us in our housing market down here is ridiculous. And that goes to like our generation too, not getting married, not wanting kids. That is perfectly okay. Like kids are not something, I used to hate the dialogue too, where it was like, you need to have kids or you need to think about having kids. And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want them. And I really didn't. I didn't unless I was with somebody because my parents are divorced. My brother and I are seven years apart. Even though my parents were divorced when I was really young, I remember the tension in the house. I remember the tension between my parents all throughout my life. And I just said, I don't want kids because I had horrible track records with relationships. How I'm married is like (laughs) a miracle. And I'm still married as a miracle. <laughs> I swear if I wasn't married, I'd just be a little gremlin <laughs> as a single. I embrace it. I'm going to be a troll always. But <laughs> I think that that's a really good point. And I feel like that is something that Gen Z and like the generations after us aren't necessarily facing in the same way that we were. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of pressure to get married and have kids and have that be the end all be all of your life mm-hmm. and have it be, yeah. you know, the goal. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like the narrative around that is changing and I'm super grateful for that because we're we're realizing, you know, collectively that life and family even looks different for everybody. Yeah. And sometimes family isn't even like your blood family, right? Like sometimes family is the family you choose. I have a lot of family that I choose and chose. I 
we'll be honest, I stay away from my husband made a joke one night at the dinner table here with his parents because um, his dad is the oldest of 10 and it's a blended family. So there's like chaos all the time. And it's interesting. And at one point they were like, Tara, you should, you know, write these stories down for a book. And I'm like, I can't keep track of it all. It's insane. And my husband and I talked about him writing a sitcom about his family because, I mean, it's just like, it's ridiculous. But one night, you know, there's craziness going on. And my husband, in his smart ass way, goes, that's why I married Tara. She has no family. I'm like, but I have chosen family. And he knows who they are. And he, you know, they're... They make me a better person. I'm happy to be around them. They get me. I get them. There's like no pressure ever with them. So having a chosen family, I think, you know, sometimes it's the best route to go. And like shit, sometimes if you were close with a sibling, their kids become your kids. And that's sometimes all you need because guess what? They're the best. You can give them back. Listen, Aunt KK, I'm living my best aunt life, especially with my sister's kids. Like she and I have been able to get really close in this last year. Those kids are my fave. And... Sorry, Luke, I love your boys, but Porter and Presley are my faves. And, (laughs) like, the time I get to spend with them is so great. And they do feel like my kids and, like, an extension of me. But I do get to give them back. And it's Mm -hmm. wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Tara does daily readings, somewhat daily readings on TikTok. And we'll have her handle in the show notes so that you can go and follow her and see them because they're great. Especially when she uses the sweary deck. That's oh, yeah, Maya. Uh, I don't bring that um, deck out much. It definitely has a vibe to it. And it only wants yeah. to come out every once in a while because it's it's snarky as hell. And it's for a select few who can handle it. Because if you're in a vulnerable state, I do not recommend it. Unless snark is one of your trauma responses. <laughs> then it's good. <laughs> then it's fine. So let's dive into that too a little bit because I know that, you know, you've you've been a part of writing a couple of books, mm-hmm. but you have one coming out. By the time this episode comes out, it will have been out. Yeah, it's um, launching um, October 13th. Yes. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that project and, you know, kind of what you share in that book. Yeah. So the book is called Broken and the subtitle is actually very long and I always have to look it up because my brain flips it all around, (laughs) but it's about breaking ancestral chains and it's about women breaking ancestral chains and lineages to, for the betterment of themselves and their families. My chapter talks about maternal bonds because, you know, as we talk about relationships throughout this episode, how I got to where I am to be talking about the woo and honing my clairvoyance and my intuitiveness comes from my childhood and um, having to be at peace with coming to be at peace with who I am. And it goes back to my relationship with my grandmother and how me being like her was used as a negative and having to recognize that it wasn't a negative And there's so much more to me. She died five years ago, Halloween, which was like her favorite holiday. It's my favorite holiday. <laughs> and oddly enough, my firstborn was supposed to be born. His due date was her birthday. So We are connected, her and I. She shows up a lot. Like, sometimes I, you know, I think, like, the orb was probably her. Um, She has shown up in conversations I've had with Regina. Um, She was floating around on video, and Regina was like, this has never happened before. I'm like, "Ah, you never know what you're going to get with me (laughs) on video, just FYI. But. Noted. (laughs) But the book is not just my journey, but all the author's journeys through different ancestral situations, life stories. comes out on October 13th. I am doing a lot of promos around the launch of this book. Follow me on Instagram and I have all the information in my link tree. You can join the 
email list specifically for the book to gain access to the promo, when and how to purchase. It's going to be launched on Amazon. You can connect with me, ask questions. I have a virtual open door policy. Like you have questions, ask me. I'm not going to sales pitch you. As we've talked about here, like that is not my vibe. Nope. No. And I've, and I've read Tara's story and contribution to this book. And it is a really powerful example of how we don't have to accept the narratives that we're given even Mm -hmm. from our parents, right? Like about who we are and where we came from and who we are going to be. And I think that that is super powerful. And something that a lot of people struggle with, right? Like that's a lot Mm -hmm. of core childhood wounds that have to be dealt with are those types of stories. Mm -hmm. Since this is a dating, like single life dating podcast, I'm going to give you two options and you can tell me which one you want to do. Okay. You can share with me your favorite dating horror story. (laughs) You can think of one. Or we can talk a little bit about, because I know, like, we've talked about masculine and feminine energy and, like, kind of trusting your intuition a little bit more. And, like, maybe how women can can practice trusting their intuition, especially when it comes to dating. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure I have horror stories. I just always was very intoxicated. <laughs> I was just going to be completely honest. Like, that is part of my healing journey. <laughs> Honestly? Honestly, who wasn't, especially if you were dating in your early to mid-20s. Yes. I don't I remember lived, a lot. It's I lived in Philadelphia. <laughs> I was a performing artist. I was in the best shape of my life. I went out a lot. I knew that I could, well. Yeah. Do we have mm-hmm. time? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Early on, like, a freshman was horrible. It was a horrible dating experience because I had a short haircut that was stylized. But moving to a city, I didn't know anybody who, I didn't know anybody to cut my hair. And a friend made a recommendation. So I go down to the salon and I'm like, hey, I I bring the picture. I'm like, this is how it is. It's short, but it's not too short. It's stylized. I don't think she really understood me. So she gets cutting my hair. And as I'm sitting there, she is just chopping off all of my hair. And at one point I said, please stop cutting my hair. And my friend next to me starts laughing. She can't see me because there's like a, it wasn't even a wall. It was like a sheet type thing. And she starts laughing. I was like, oh my God, this isn't funny. She gave me a pixie cut. Mind you, I'm like a stick, but I'm a boxy build. I have my eyebrow pierced. I have a pixie cut. I'm in the neighborhood. Like my dorm is in the neighborhood. So freshman year, everybody thought I was a lesbian. I'm not mad about it at all. Like I was like, what? I had to get over the shock of my pixie cut. <laughs> I was like, what did you do to my hair? Okay. Well, that's like such an emotional transition too, right? Like because your hair holds so much. And- yeah. And then I got used to it and it was the easiest thing, but because like, I also hung out with guys, like I pull from my masculine energy a lot. I've grown up with boys. I hang out with guys because I'm comfortable with that. So on top of that, like I'm hanging out with a group of guys. Like nobody was interested in me (laughs) because they were totally confused by me. And I was like, am I really mad about this? (laughs) I don't think so. I wasn't all that mad about it. But then when my hair started getting longer, <laughs> I started letting it grow out. My dating life changed. And there are tons of horror stories. That again, is... I was too drunk. <laughs> I mean, same. Yeah. I kind of love <laughs> I mean, I used to have pictures worse of me. to spend your freshman year. There really was. I actually had a great time freshman year and dating was not involved. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Isn't it just? I don't um... know how I'm married, Katie. I really don't. <laughs> 
We're going to have to dive into that on another episode. I'm going to need to hear your whole story because it's a double Aries. Who knows? But Tara, thank you so much. You're so welcome. so much fun. I love chatting with you all the time. Same. We're going to have all of... Tara's links and stuff and handles in the show notes, but do you want to just tell people real quick where they can find you and connect with you? Yeah, the best place is going to be on Instagram to know a little bit more me on the business front at grounded underscore energy 111. Link trees in there. I post reels. I post regularly. If you want to have some fun and get to know my personality a little bit more, you can follow me on TikTok. My name is not associated in any way with my business. It's just there's a story behind the name. It's Tata, I think it's Tata underscore on fire, 888. I'll get, it'll be in the show notes, but if you want to like do daily readings just to get to know my personality, who I am, you can follow me over there. And then of course there's the more professional, which is LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much. I've just, I loved this conversation. Absolutely. You know, as we close out, you guys can, you know, rate, subscribe to Ditch the Ick anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at ditch the ick pod. And if you want to, you can join Patreon and that's patreon.com slash ditch the ick. We'll see you next time.